podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so that Mo Salah guy, he's pretty consistent, right? Yeah, and yet another week defined by the Egyptian king. We're here to discuss FPL uh, with long-term friend of the pod, your man Ryan, otherwise known as Fantasy Yamar on Twitter. Always good crack. Um, I'm also, of course, joined by Nick. You all right, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Tom. All well here. Just to say quickly, of course, that we are Who Got The Assist. Find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, and you can use Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So, Ryan, welcome to the pod. Good to have you on this week. I'm sure everyone knows you anyway, but would you mind quickly introducing yourself to the good people? Of course. And listen, thanks very much, guys, for having me on. Um, it's, a, it's a whole new world here, actually. But um, my name is Ryan, a fantasy Um Been running the site, the podcast, the Twitter account, everything there since about 2012. Um, we've just actually, I don't know if celebrates the right word, but we've just actually completed 251 um, consecutive game week coverage um, of Fantasy Premier League, so it tells you a lot about my social life, uh, my social circle, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's probably frozen. Realistically, what do we do now? We still do the preview, so every week we do a preview. Um, we write for 442. Um, we do the podcast on a weekly basis. Our podcast is slightly different than Who Got the Assist, I think, you know, in as much to say that, you know, there's very little preparation, if any preparation. Um, there's certainly not any statistical analysis or actually any in-depth thinking about it. So, you know, this is going to be a challenge for me to stay focused for an hour. Um, <laughs> we also have two guys on the pod um, on our own podcast, John Wallen and Mike P, who fundamentally I don't think are big fans of FPL, um, which probably makes for interesting listening. I don't know. I mean, numbers are going up, so that's all good. Cool, yeah, that's, that's always where you want to be, numbers going up, unless it's your overall rank. <laughs> uh, so this week we're going to be discussing ownership and the notion of coverage, uh, one of Nick's favourite words, and uh, how that's now curving out in the early stages of the second uh, half of this season. Uh, that'll be our main talking point this week, as well as providing a brief update on the market forces, the Zoms, and all the Englands before, as always, taking your questions. Yeah, sounds great, Tom, and thanks for the questions this week, everyone. So let's start with the Game Week reviews. Ryan, be our guest. How did you get on? Um, game week 23, not too bad. Uh, finished on 67 points. Um, overall ranks, I think, have been updated. So that's me sitting at 87k overall. I mean, it comes as no surprise. Uh, Mohamed Salah's captain has, you know, has came home with a bulk of those points. And um, you know, regrettably, there's a, there's a, there is an element of a sort of template team um, taking shape within within my first 11. Um, Pogba and Rashford make up. The most of the rest of the points um, this week. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard to look past United since all these came in um, what, mid-December. It just it, it astounds me that that club has the same players. <laughs> it's, it's just a different animal. Um, so it's it's one of those things that as soon as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in, Pogba was first in for me. Um, I remember how much he sort of waxed lyrical about Pogba at the, actually last year. I think it was when he was saying that he would actually build a team around Pogba if he could, um, and now he's getting that chance. I think the bench has proved a wee bit difficult. That's a bit hard to take. Um, we have uh, Ben Foster with eight points sitting on the bench as opposed to Fabianski on the pitch. And Callum Wilson, um, I don't know about you guys, but it was a bit of a surprise for me to see Callum Wilson starting um, this weekend. So it's a bit of a sort of, you know, with reluctance that I see him sitting on the bench there with nine points. And I don't know if you did see the Bournemouth game, but um, there was a bit of friction online about um, Ryan Fraser perhaps not getting the assist. I'm not sure if you guys saw. Yeah, so a little bit of that just reminds me of the the Leroy Sane one that I felt was robbed um, from me earlier on in the season. It's always a bit tight when it's like, oh, did the pass deflect? Was who was the intended target of the pass, and how much of a deflection was there? Is it's always um, an interesting talking point, and uh, something we should perhaps talk about more, considering we are who got the assist, <laughs> and it's all about who got the assist. But yeah, no, uh, I did see that. Sounds like you did all right, apart from perhaps all those bench points again. Um, for me, it was uh, 72 points um, all out. I think it's pretty solid performance. Um, got a little bit of a green arrow up to about 40k now, which is all right. Um, so yeah, doing pretty well. It's just the same, so same old big scorers, but Salah, Captain Pogba, and Rashford. 
Sterling, um, who I brought in, got me 10, and Brooks returned six point, which was pretty decent. The defence was, a, you know, a complete sideshow, though. Um, Robertson somehow managed to get five, but, you know, Dean with minus one, Lonzo one, and Doherty, who, who didn't start, um, gave me one point as well, so pretty, uh, pretty disappointing. How about yourself, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, I took my minus A, I took my medicine. I'm still under the C, unfortunately, in terms of the overall rank. But I think there were changes that needed to be made to some extent. Uh, Mo Salah, um, have him finally as my captain, finally know what it feels like to not feel left out when everyone on Twitter is screaming, Salah, whenever he scores a goal. Uh, that was good. Uh, Van Dyke, another dodgy assist, uh, which uh, kind of burnished that decision. Uh, and Rashford as well, scoring. So those three were the main targets. And um, bringing them in was all good. Swapping Etheridge in and Fabianski out obviously did nothing really. But I mean, that was just a bit of a make-weight there to make it work. Teams looking very good, actually, apart from Felipe Anderson and Richarlison uh, giving me a bit of a problem. But set up well, just kind of hoping to be able to emerge from a little bit of a poor period uh, over Christmas as has been very well documented. Right, let's move on to the first talking point this week. Oh, the only talking point this week, actually, uh, which is on coverage and ownership. It's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because ownership, I think, every every now and again does crop up as being an issue. Like, it's nice there's a reason why we buy players, why we don't buy players. And lots of people play, obviously, without care in the world for ownership. So our friend Matt Greco, for example, doesn't even look at the ownership numbers and just does what he wants, which is an admirable way of doing it. Um, but ownership is always something that kind of gives it the game an extra dimension. And I think maybe it's a product of being on social media a fair bit. But when players do anything, I tend at least to be mentally calculating what impact that's had. Um, it's, as I've mentioned, there is another dimension to the game, and I think it kind of um, does play a part and play a role, and I think that's an interesting one to talk about today. Um, ownership, then, uh, let's start with you then, Ryan. Is it important to you? Is it something you bear in mind when you're looking at players to buy in or looking at kind of uh, your squad generally? I think I do. And, you know, what I noticed, I mean, I had a terrible season last year where I finished with probably rank it was about 260 or 270k. Um, so I really, you know, I really wasn't happy. And what you notice is the mindset of how you look at the same figures dramatically changes. So when you're chasing, I'm always thinking, right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to catch anybody with this template team. I really have to try to find this differential. I have to find somebody that has a lower ownership and obviously that brings with it the, the sort of risk reward. Whereas this year, I'm quite comfortable, you know, I'm sort of sitting 80k, whatever it was. Um, and I, you know, I hope to make sort of, you know, a decent sized push on, you know, anything top 50k, I think would be a, you know, sort of half decent result this year. Whereas now I'm sort of looking at the ownership and feeling a bit more comfortable about the fact that, you know, yeah, all right, there probably is six or seven uh, names on that team sheet that are more template, but where I'm at, what I'm trying to achieve and where I'm going, you know, it's, I feel more comfortable with that. I think there's always exceptions to the rule. You look at somebody like Raheem Sterling at the start of the season who, you know, for what he was producing, his ownership was ridiculously low. And he, he, even now, his ownership sitting around about what ten, eleven percent, you know, and it's still, it's still dangerously close to being differential territory um, for the highest, you know, pretty much one of the highest point scorers in the game, you know, and that obviously has a price influx, but the the actual the actual ownership figures on that is frightening. So I think, listen, the ownership definitely plays important. Um, I think your your buddy Greco, I think, almost has the right idea, you know maybe stop thinking about it too much and, you know, play it the way you want to play it. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't go into this game week. I had Sergio Aguero. Um, if I didn't have that City coverage in any way, shape or form, I would have been sat behind a sofa um, for that game today, particularly against Huddersfield, particularly against the sort of, you know, goal return that Sergio has against Huddersfield. But, um, you know, Leroy Sané, I think, has burnt a lot of us this season. Um, if you look at points per minute and things like that there, and uh, again, ownership for him, it's not, it's what, 15, 16%. So it's not as high, again, as it could be. So yeah, listen, 100% keep an eye on the ownership. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And I think that last year, for example, I mean, I, I totally see what you mean about you know, if we're chasing looking at differentials. But uh, last year, for example, I found myself looking kind of going for you know real Hail Marys like yeah. I, I had you know Alexis Sanchez as my captain for the double game weeks and I also captained him against Huddersfield when he missed the penalty and against Newcastle when he missed the open goal uh, whereas everyone else had Salah and everyone else is kind of building along very nicely and you know sometimes I think when you're looking at social media particularly you see everyone else's teams out there you see their ranks and you think oh you know I've got to differentiate from these guys but if, you're, if you are chasing sometimes like you know the strategy I've taken this season like at the moment I'm sitting with five of the top owned 
midfielders amongst the active players and the two top-owned strikers, Aubameyang and Rashford. And part of the thinking behind that is, well, yeah, okay, I'm probably never going to catch Nick at this point, unfortunately. It's gotten to that point in the season already. But what I can do is make a rank for myself. Like you mentioned, Ryan, that you were feeling a bit, you know, a bit upset at your rank last season. And what I can do now is make a decent rank for myself. And the gamble that I'm taking is that people around me will have less of a template than I do. They'll be less kind of engaged than I am. Um, so they won't be able to afford the players that I own. They won't be able, they won't have set up their team in the same way. So I figure if, right, if I've got those players who are well-owned and they all do well, they're well-owned for a reason because they have been doing well, all it will take is a couple of good game weeks to get to the point where I can look at differentials again. But Nick, I mean, you're, you've got a team at the moment which is kind of full of those well-owned template players. For example, you've had Salah for a long time. Uh, but you've kind of brought Sterling in this week, as uh, Ryan's just mentioned, that, uh, Ryan's mentioned him. And uh, what kind of strategy and what kind of approach do you have in this regard? The template players are, are in a template for a reason. They're highly owned for a reason and it's because they're scoring consistently and they're performing brilliantly. And, you know, ignoring these players is a very dangerous strategy at the end of the day. You know, you could say, oh, I'm not going to get Salah in because everyone owns him. But you know, at the end of the day, if you if you stick with that pathway and continue to stick with that pathway, you're just going to end up punishing yourself in, in the long run. And I think ownership, is a factor in terms of making a decision for a lot of people, even though a lot of people say they don't look at it, as you said. And fear of ownership definitely does exist. It's all about sort of FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, if you don't own those players, you're going to be metaphorically or perhaps literally in some cases hiding behind the sofa because you're scared of what they're going to do. And I've had that before. And there's always going to be that one player that you don't own. I didn't have Harry Kane up until his injury. But, um, you know, Mo Salah's probably the, the key one this season who's, um, whose ownership is so ridiculously high now. And if you don't own him because, you you know, you're trying to differentiate, then it's, it's a mistake. And I think um, one, one player actually that's got really high ownership still um, even though perhaps he's been performing quite badly in recent weeks, is Alonso. Um, so he's um, still the fifth highest owned player in the game with 35.4%. With Alonso, he's, he's one of those players definitely where there's a bit of um, sort of ownership fear, I guess. Um, and you've certainly suffered from that as part of your... You sold him this week, but you were, you were a bit concerned about the potential to haul any time. And uh, whilst it's been a dry and fallow patch for him, goal scoring wise he has been hitting the post pretty frequently and (laughs) hit the post yet again this game week, which I think was about the sixth time. But still, yeah, just one goal um, this season. It's not not been, um, you know, the greatest of uh, seasons for him goal scoring wise, though he still remains the second highest scoring defender. And um, the team are struggling offensively with only three goals in four. But still, I think with Alonso, I probably am going to be sticking with him just for the next two at least, Bournemouth and Huddersfield. We're waiting for a bit of news as well in terms of blanks and doubles, but he is one of those players definitely that you have to fear if you don't own. And part of my fear is selling him at this moment in time as well, because if I sell him and there's not too many options out there, perhaps Trippi or someone like that, if I fancy to punt, I could easily get punished. Yeah, no, I understand that of Alonso. So, as you mentioned, six times he's hit the woodwork, most of any other player. You know, the last time Alonso actually had an attacking contribution was back in November game week 11 it was Assis Lonzo in a 3-1 victory against Palace which is coincidentally the last time Chelsea have scored more than three goals in a game yeah as you mentioned he's still up there for um, for a lot of the stats he's still in the top three for shots and still in the top three pen box touches over the last six but I think he is a good example of a player who people have held because of the fear of selling and the fear that you know oh he could bang but I mean he has since that game um, against Crystal Palace he has kind of played you know Fulham, Wolves, Brighton, Leicester, Watford, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle and not producing any of those fixtures. So he's one of those characters that there's always a case to keep hold of him, but felt right to get rid of him this week. And uh, it may be the case that the double game weeks mean that I'll be looking to bring him back. But uh, I feel like he, he is a player that people are holding just for the fear, as you mentioned, Nick, of uh, what he could do. I mean, what do you think about Alonso, Ryan? Is he a player that um, you've held this season? And is he one that you're afraid of? I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of him. I'm, not, I'm definitely not as big a fan as the ownership would dictate. Um, I think the one for me from that Chelsea team that genuinely gives me the fear, and it's for exactly the same reason, is it's Hazard. You know, it's 34% ownership. It's 11 million sitting there uh, in my team, and it's, you know, four blanks in a row. So with Alonso, I can I can sort of make my peace with, with Alonso being in the team because of the high ownership if there's, if there's a sort of consistent defence. You know, so if he's not putting up attacking numbers every other week, as long as there's sort of, you know... I would like to see, you know, 
a couple of clean sheets once in a while to sort of make it worth my while that way. But even there for Chelsea, um, you know, again, you look at their last five games, it's what, one, maybe two clean sheets in their last um, five games. So he's not even producing from a defensive point of view. So for me, it's it's a lot of money being tied up in defence. Um, and if there's no returns, then there's no rationale for it. Um, you're much more likely to see me with, you know, Jan Bednarek sitting as defender three on my bench, literally so that I can have uh, more money to spend elsewhere. Um, I'm, I'm looking through my defenders at the minute and uh, Everton's Dinia at, what, 5 million or 5.1 now probably, is the most expensive defender I have on my team. Um, so Alonso for me just, he breaks every sort of cardinal rule I have about FPL and defenders and sort of being afraid to put too much money in the bag. Why are you worried about that? I think because I want to have more money for the, the more attacking players. You know, it's, yeah. I, I want to have that decision to make every week about whether I'm playing, you know, three forwards or two forwards. And I feel that when I spend too much money in defence, I always end up, you know, with the likes of a something, something like a maybe in this season would be like something like success up front. You know, no intention of playing him, but he's sitting there with that uh, mindset that you know he he. he, he I would need to. I would need to give up something that I'm not prepared to to have the more expensive defenders. And so, if it was a choice between this year's ones, which were at the start of the season, what say Alonso, Robertson, Mendy, um, you know, Alonso would always be the bottom of those three for me. And I think there's there's probably difference. I just I don't appreciate him as a player, probably. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think a lot of um, Chelsea fans don't appreciate him as a player as well. There's a lot of kind of love for him in the FPL community for obvious reasons, but it sounds like Chelsea Twitter is a bit kind of uh, a bit kind of mayor on that. I mean, you mentioned the Robertson there as well, and I think Robertson slash Liverpool defence is one which is definitely uh, impacted by ownership, impacted by the fact that if they keep a clean sheet, much like you know at the start of last season, Man United were very similar, weren't they? If they keep a clean sheet and you don't have Liverpool defender, you do hit a bit of a red arrow, and um, that's why I brought in Van Dijk for example this week, and obviously got very lucky with that assist um, I mean Nick you've had Robertson all season Robertson's been brilliant to own this season and, and certainly worth the value and I think Liverpool defence has been sort of worth having coverage in throughout the season I mean it's interesting you, you mentioned success because he's actually in my team Ryan but he has been sort of rotting there on the third bench not never being in the first 11 but sitting there but it's enabled me to I've actually only this game week only played one forwards believe it or not Rashford and had Ings and success on the bench but, and, and my defence didn't do particularly well either this game week, but it has enabled me to have like, um, you know, expensive midfield, expensive defence mm. and, and score quite big consistently as well. So in, in some ways I can understand um, your, your opinion, but it's also this season in particular, not, not necessarily the last few seasons, but this season there has been a trend towards those premium defenders, especially those wing-backs that are bombing in and taking corners and getting lots of assists and crosses in. So with Liverpool, though, I think yeah, Van Dijk, um, he's certainly been um, a, a brilliant asset in that defence and the team as well generally have been worth covering. I mean, Van Dijk's got 28.5% ownership, Robertson 36.6% ownership. And it's also worth mentioning uh, Alisson, who's got 25.3% um, ownership and you could potentially cover uh, you could cover Robertson and uh, Van Dijk by getting Allison in to a certain extent he's actually earned, he's actually earned 108 points now which is nine less than Virgil Van Dijk and only three defenders have actually um, outscored Allison this season and uh, so he's he's proved really good value for money um have, what do you think about the Liverpool defense obviously as TAA as well who's been brilliant when he's not been injured well, there's a couple of things. I mean, TAA this week was he, 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 he screwed me over massively. So we uh, we wrote this whole big preview thing for four four two, and that was talking about replacements for you know high ownership players or key players. So obviously Kane's in there because he's been injured and all the rest of it. And TAA is supposed to be out for a month, um, and uh, you know Smiley Jurgen Klopp rocks up to the scene on Friday saying, "Yeah, yeah, he looks great. He might be back again tomorrow." And I'm thinking, "You jammy git! I'm going to have to rewrite the whole thing." Now. <laughs> um, but I was so shocked by that because for me, TWA is a he is a brilliant enabler into you know that Liverpool defence when he's playing. Um, I have to say, guys, that my best week, my best game week of the season um, was game week 19, and it's probably one of the only times because I listened to the show last week when you were talking about the risk profiles. And for all the sort of, you know, gusto, for all the sort of bravado that I might spout off here, I'm actually quite, a, you know, a boring FPL player. You know, I do my transfers on a Saturday morning if I make a transfer. So I've taken four, or sorry, three four-point hits this year. Um, that's pretty much it. 
But coming into game week 19, I can't, there was an injury, so I brought in uh, Lovren, the world's greatest defender, uh, for game week 19. And um, he returned with, well, that was his 15-point haul. Oh, nice. Combined with Dina that week as well. So you, you make this sort of massive jump. And it's, it's, do you know something? It reinvigorates your love for the game. Because we've all had those game weeks where, you know, this season you maybe, you know, you have a shocker of a game week and you're sitting around, what, say 4.7 million or something like that for the game week. And then you have this game week 19 and you're sitting in the top 3,000 for the rank and you're sort of thinking, right, there's going to be a hell of a green arrow coming up here. And there was, and it's sort of like, don't get me wrong, Lovren straight away back out again. Um, I think two weeks later when he got injured, but TAA is the, the one that, again, Robertson, I want to have Robertson in my team. I'm just far too tight to actually spend money on defence to, to have him there. And I think, you know, for me, you know, say for, I think it was a Nick that has success up front, and for me in the defence, it was always Wan-Bissaka or now it's Bednarak as the, the chief defender. You're always going to have one or the other. Um, I would love to have Robertson in this defence. Don't have enough money to do it. Um, so TAA, if he was fit, would, would still be in the team without question. Or where are you prepared to give? And, you know, for you guys, you're prepared to give up front. And for me, I'm prepared to give in defence. And, you know, the one thing I would say after doing this for this, this many years, I mean, you look at the winners over the years, there's maybe similarities, there's maybe traits, there's, you know, there's always a bit of luck involved, but there's no, there's no right. There's no one right way to play this game as far as I'm concerned. Um, so for me, it's just what you get a kick out of doing. Like genuinely bringing Lovren into my team at the time, I was thinking, oh, this, is, this is a potential disaster, but wouldn't it be funny if he scored? <laughs> like that, that's literally what I was thinking. And I have, I've literally had the same thing now with, with Samir Nasri over the last two weeks where when Nasri came back on the scene for West Ham, I put something out on Twitter, literally with just the, the picture of Nasri uh, in his FPL jersey uh, and, and thoughts, and the amount of abuse Samir Nasri got as a potential FPL pick. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, this guy's sitting at 5.5 million. Even if he doesn't score, even if he doesn't assist, I'm going to free up money by getting rid of Anderson, who's causing me problems at the minute. So I went from Anderson to, to Nasri. Um, I took the cheeky assist. Last week against Arsenal, which sort of broke my heart in the best of times anyway. But this week, you know, he did nothing. But again, at 5.5 million, I'm okay with that. But, um, so there's times where I'll do these things where, you know, people think that, you know, the love for somebody like Matthew Flamini is a joke. It's not. I genuinely love the man. But he would have, been, he would have always been in my FPL team on the bench. He would have been my bench fodder, and particularly in the season at Crystal Palace where he started at 4.5 million. Oh, yeah, in my team every every week is is pure bench fodder. I mean, you just mentioned Felipe Anderson there, and uh, another Brazilian who's also a son is uh, Richarlison. Basically, by dint of that fantastic opening to the season, that uh, Richarlison is still owned by twenty six point six percent of people. Um, but he's one who I'm kind of wondering whether I'm holding him just because of fear of how many people actually own him. Like, I did have a look at some of the data for him. You know, he's second for shots on uh, shots over the last uh, six game weeks for fifteen level with William. Oh uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. And I looked a bit more at it, and I saw that only three out of those fifteen shots have been on target for him <laughs> over the last six. Absolutely awful. And you know, watching him on match of the day, he still looks absolutely. He well, where is he? He's completely anonymous. And I'm wondering whether he's a player that I'm just holding on to for fear of that. And I, I think a lot of the time as well, like early season ownership, you know, those teams who, you know, Greg in accounting who bought him in game week two and then forgot his FPL password, never looked at it again. That sort of team is the team that now holds Richarlison a lot of the time there's a few people who are kind of owners um, who are still who are active but I think a lot of the ancient numbers are spoiled by that like four blanks in a row you've got to be thinking well it's time to get rid right Nick they've got Huddersfield up next so I probably wouldn't sell him right now Huddersfield Wolves Watford which obviously three really nice fixtures um, and then it's a game with 27 in Manchester City and that's when there's going to be a big Everton switch anyway because that's probably going to be a blank I'd still be tempted perhaps to give him another week, maybe if he blanks against Huddersfield, maybe get rid then. But, you know, it doesn't seem like the right moment to, to sell him. I mean, he is um, he has been really highly owned and a lot of people who still play the game like yourself, Tom, do own him. So, you know, goals for Richardson will hurt if you don't own him. But it's the case for a lot of players and he is a player that seems to be out of form at the moment. He's, he's doing a repeat of last season. Let's see if it... He gets through the whole season. I think the first half of the season, last season for Watford, he was brilliant and then didn't score once for the second half. So uh, we'll see how, how he fares this time round. But he's already four out of 19. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Brighton, Leicester, Bournemouth and Southampton, four games that he's blanked in. Those would be ideal games you'd be thinking for Richarlison. So, yeah, on the shopping block, I think to some extent, whether I actually pull it this week, I don't know. Do you think, do you mean, do you think there's something to be said there for that second half of the season? Because, I mean, for me, looking at the form for Watford at the start of last season and, say, the second half of the season, in my head, I was always thinking, right, you know, this is potentially fatigue because the guy hasn't stopped playing for two years. Or is it the Silva effect? And I, I sort of gave him the benefit of the doubt where I'm sort of thinking, right, he's a young guy. It's probably more the Silva effect leaving Watford than, you know, fatigue. But now, you know, I'm I'm starting to readdress maybe my, my thinking on that. And, you know, is this just a kid that's grew up with a winter break? Is it a kid that's not used to this type of, you know, activity in the second half of the season and does have this sort of lull? Now, I, I, I mean, it's, I need to see some more sort of, physical information and, you know, the stats running-wise and things like that there. But if you're saying he's still getting 15 shots, that's great. But, you know, one in five of them is only hitting the target. Yeah, it's quite poor, isn't it? I guess that kind of means that for a lot of people, a lot of people will have Richarlison and Luca Dean. I think that's an interesting kind of segue onwards, actually, because Neil Baxter asked us about double ups. And, you know, we talked about the, we've used the term cover a fair bit here. And I think that, you know, the term cover, as far as me and Nick understand it, at least, is saying, right, I'm going to have a finger in the pie, a finger in the pudding, and hope that, you know, City go bananas, that at least I've got Sane, who's going to hopefully have scored a goal and got an assist during that sixth or demolition of Watford or something like that. The double-ups are interesting. And Ryan, you mentioned kind of the Man United as well. Rashford and Pogba at the moment, any other double-ups that kind of spring to mind as being uh, good ones to have right now? Yeah, I mean, in my team, it's been, it was Pogba and Rashford quite early on, I think. Over the course of the season, I think in terms of value for money, Fraser Wilson, I think it's probably been the best combination, maybe. Um, you know, again, you need to drill down in the numbers, but I'd struggle to think of a pairing from the same team at that cost, you know, price point, um, that would come close to Fraser and Wilson in terms of goals and assists and returns. So I think they're both sitting in my my squad at the minute, um, and it's great to see Wilson back now. I think for a while, maybe a shorter period, you could have potentially looked at Arnautovic and Anderson as a, as a double as well. I'm, try, I'm trying to stay away from the bigger teams, but it's... For me, it always comes back to that Fraser Wilson. I think what they've done this season for Bournemouth, I think, has been incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fraser and Wilson are, are good shouts. And I, I call out my man as well, Brooks, as being another mm. really good shout. He's only cost 5.0. His, his ownership's now at 5.7%, but he's quite a nice little differential um, to start in your team as well. So he's been pretty good. I think um, in terms of uh, double ups, it's worth mentioning, obviously, uh, Manchester City, in terms of the attacking assets, you could say that there's a case for owning both Sane and Sterling. We know that um, there's a little bit of a wheel of rotation with Manchester City. But um, I think both of those guys are, are definitely in Pep's strongest eleven and likely to start a lot of games. Though, of course, if you do double up on those guys, it does mean that you can't necessarily cover all the other top teams at the same time. But um, I think the key men definitely are, are Pogba and Rashford. It, it's quite unbelievable, really, the, the change there. But I think they only cost 16.2 million still, despite the price rises that they've had quite recently. And um, I think they do feel part of the sort of the bare necessities of the, uh, the FPL team at the moment, sort of the FPL template. Yeah, but I think um, talking about sort of covering teams when you're sort of covering uh, a team with another player, I think... Um, you know, if you try and bring in, for instance, Pedro, I think you did this earlier on in the season, Tom, in, in an attempt to, to cover Hazard, mm. um, it doesn't always always work out. And I think another case would be like looking at someone like Lorente and seeing if he will do the same job that that Kane does. It, it doesn't really doesn't really work in a lot of cases. I think at the end of the day, you do, you do have to bring in the main man. So was that was that your thing? Because I think this is really interesting that you know it's this week that you know Sterling was brought back into your team or you know brought into your team. What was your sort of thought process bringing Sterling in over Sane? And I mean, was it was it more that main man mentality that you wanted to have Sterling in over Ma, or over Sane? Yeah, at the end of the day, I've still got 1.2 million in the bank. So I actually had quite a bit of spare cash. So mm. I brought Sterling in because I could afford Sterling. At the end of the day, Sane is a really good pick as well. Perhaps because of the value, I don't know. Maybe that's flawed thinking to a certain extent. But I, I had a feeling that Sterling was more likely to hold than, than Sane. Obviously, I was wrong in this particular case. And uh, perhaps I spent the extra 1.7 million erroneously. But that was my main thinking. I had the money to get Sterling in. He's the more premium asset. I'll bring Sterling in. 
Okay, uh, let's take a break there, guys, and we'll move on to the feature section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and we're going to do our feature section now. This is where I do our regular features, the market forces, the zombie league and the All England team. Um, the first section this week is the market forces. As usual, this is our section where we use the FPL NTI data to describe the moves and shakers in the transfer market. Make your demand across numbers. What are you seeing? So it looks like it's um, Groundhog Day again in the market forces um, with Pogba and Rashford being the most transferred in yet again. Um, 88,000 transfers in for Rashford, 68,000 transfers in the Pogba at time of recording. And uh, I think, yeah, it makes sense now, as we talked about earlier on in the poll, it's, it's time to double up on these guys. You know, Manchester United assets are bargains this season. It's only 16.2 million. But the, for the two of them, and, and since Marino's gone, they've got no strings to hold them back any longer. So they're, they're, they're dominating. They're, they're doing brilliantly. Um, I think, you know, they're so consistent as well recently in their performances. Um, definitely worth bringing them in. But I think um, in terms of transfers out, though, this this game week, it's um, Hazard and Kane are the most transferred out. No surprises, obviously, with Kane. Um, he's injured, so if, if people miss the deadline, um, they're transferring out quickly now. Uh, 66,000 transfers out for him. Um, Hazard's, um, top, Hazard's actually beating him now for most transferred out with uh, 67 over 67,000 transfers out uh, so far. Are you surprised by the, the Hazard sell-off at this moment in time, Ryan? No, I'm not, actually, because it's it's what I was saying to you earlier on. It, it's given me a bit of a headache at the minute that if he didn't have a couple of decent fixtures in you know the coming weeks, then I think I would be giving up on him right about now. But Hazard's the perfect player that he, he typifies that if you drop him, that's when, you know, that's when, you know, what was it, uh, Tom? You had your Mo Salah thing this year, where you know you drop Salah and he inevitably scored the hat trick. That's the fear with Hazard. I, like I'm genuinely petrified of selling them and being burnt by it the next week. So, with the fixtures in mind, I'll keep him. But <laughs> it's, he's, he's a hell of a lot of money sitting in that team. Yeah, he's he's definitely expensive. I think the problem with Hazard is you you own him and he scores. You don't. Um, sorry, you own him and he blanks. You don't own him and he scores. It's, it happens every season. I'm at, I haven't got the mi um, the, the numbers this time round, but I'm actually going to try and produce some analysis and st- some stats when I've got a spare moment to show um, what Hazard's average has been for the last few seasons when um, I've not owned him and what his average has been when I have owned him to, to highlight the point that he's just a massive troll. People are going to write in. Yeah, I got told off on Twitter for calling him a troll um, a few times and you know, like a few people complained about podcasts talking about Hazard being a troll and it was possibly aimed at me, I think so. But like, he is a massive troll and I'm, I'm going to continue to say it and I'm going to get the numbers out to prove that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, also, Nick, I've got just the, speaking about ownership, a uh, cool stat that's uh, this has come out tonight is that uh, actually, um, Marcus Rashford is now the top-owned player uh, amongst live teams. Uh, 50, wow. Yeah, 57% <laughs> of players now own uh, Marcus Rashford. Only 56.9% own Mo Salah. So, I, I, I'm still amazed that you guys get called out for, for having the sheer audacity to you know call Hazard a troll. Niall Hawthorne, who wrote the preview for us last week, said that uh, Hazard is as consistent as Boris Johnson. And uh, I actually had three people come to me and, you know, praising that statement. You know, it's, there's, there's no way around it. Like, Hazard is a troll. 100%. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, th- I think I'd agree with you. Right, anyway, Nick, <laughs> what else you've been saying? Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> other sellers, I think we talked about them a fair bit already, but Richarlison and Felipe Anderson, your duo, Tom, uh, being sold quite heavily as well. Uh, 49,000 uh, transfers out for Richarlison, 42,000 out for um, Anderson. And actually, um, a player that looks like they're coming in that we haven't covered yet. Um, well, we've got... Salah, obviously, 60,000 transfers in. Sane, 53,000 transfers in. But Yota, um, our zombie man from the beginning of the season, um, finally delivers for us and our zombies, even though he left our team, I think, in about game week three, um, with a hat-trick with 19 points. Um, he's dropped uh, 0.6 million uh, since the start of the season, so one of the biggest fallers in the game so far. And um, certainly back on the radar. And uh, no surprise, I guess, that he's back in the... Uh, the market forces um, appearing as a highly um, highly transferred in player. 
No, definitely not. I mean, I've, I've actually got quite a cool stat on Yotta, which is a, a very interesting one in of itself. So, it, I mean, I was looking at the data for Felipe Anderson and for Richarlison and thinking, oh, could I get Jota in? I mean, he really has come out of nowhere. Um, but in the last six, Nick, he somehow had four attempts, four in the box, five big chances, and he scored three of them. Um, I don't know how you can have four attempts and five big chances, but yeah, the, <laughs> that's what the Yotta stats say. So he, he is clearly uh, amazing, and he's clearly going to start an underperforming versus overperforming uh, Riff. Uh, we've got a question on him later, so we'll leave leave that for now. But yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised after a hat trick to see people uh, clicking the bye 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 button there. Um, the final one that's quite interesting is Aubameyang. Um, he's showing up as uh, in the top five uh, transfers in, top five transfers out as well, isn't he? Nick? Yeah, Aubameyang's um, being sold quite heavily. Um, yeah, thirty seven thousand transfers out at this moment in time, but he's also had thirty one thousand transfers in. Surprisingly, um, so net um, transfers out of six thousand, and yeah. Obviously, I think people are transferring him in, a few people perhaps doing an all boomerang, which was an idea that I've touted a few times and you've touted um, to try and, you know, play around Aubameyang's fixtures. Um, Because they've got Cardiff at home next. And obviously, that's that's a really nice fixture after the the Chelsea match. So the the people bringing him in, I guess, are looking at the fixtures, the people selling, uh, perhaps. um, You know, it's an interesting one to be selling him, especially considering Kane's out. But it must be for Rashford. Um, though you'd think that with Cardiff at home up next, that people would um, somehow um, you know find other ways to get Rashford in without selling Aubameyang, considering Rashford is about four four million cheaper. What do you think about um, Aubameyang, Ryan? And do you think he's worth bringing in? Do you think he's worth selling, or is he a hold? I think. I mean, I've had Aubameyang for you know large parts of the season, and there's there's no question that when when Arsenal are on form, you know he's. He's definitely a key figure. It's just they're that inconsistent. You know, they're they're so inconsistent. And even even yesterday or this week, game week twenty three, with such a you know incredible performance against Chelsea work wise, you know, it was Lacazette that took the plotters. You know, the goal Lacazette scored was was amazing. Um could have had another one and you know, Lacazette at the lower price point looked more dangerous than Aubameyang in that game. Um, and that sort of rotated back and forward all season. Aubameyang, to me, might be sitting close to the top of the you know the tree in terms of goal scores, but he doesn't, he doesn't excite me in the same way that, say, Harry Kane would as a talisman for Spurs or, you know, Aguero in his heyday. Um, you know, it, it doesn't give me that sort of, you know, highest paid player in the game or he, he just doesn't excite me in that way and it's it's wrong and especially you know as a gunner I want Aubameyang to you know to do well um, but there's just something holding me back and I think it's you know again I think it's the the personal mentality of not buying into this Arsenal team as a whole at the minute that sort of you know puts me off Aubameyang because when Kane get injured I guess the choice I had to make is with less premium forwards this year I had to make the decision right does you know is it a simple switch in for Aubameyang or do I take a punt on Aguero? And, you know, the Romanda system, we should have taken Aubameyang, thinking, right, back your own player against Chelsea, and then with a nice tie against Cardiff coming up. But I, I went Aguero. Uh, and I'd love to be in a position where I had enough faith in that Arsenal team to want to have Aubameyang and make Aubameyang be that player that I can't afford to be without, but he's not. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And he's um, he's now actually overtaken uh, Callum Wilson in my favourite stat, big chances missed. He's missed 16 mm. big chances this season. Uh, Callum Wilson on 13 and second and Mo Salah on 12 is, is next. So maybe talking to that level of in- inconsistency and watching well, it him. It has to be because what did he, did he not score 10 you know, shots on target in a row? Or it was, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. This thing and it's, it's complete chalk and cheese now. Oh, absolutely. He, he's gone from... Uh, Overperforming to underperforming, as we spoke about when Adam Hockcroft was on, it is very frustrating watching him as a, as as an owner and as an Arsenal fan as well. Just because sometimes you think, how have you missed that, Pierre? Like seriously, how have you missed that? <laughs> it, it, it does happen an awful lot. Like you know, it's kind of Jesus slash Morata syndrome. It's just because he does score more than the, our mate Morata does. I feel sorry for him because I mean, you put you know Aubameyang in that City team, and I think he clears up. You know, I genuinely think he you know he hits twenty five, yeah. thirty goals. No service, it's, no service. It's not so, you know, but then, you know, you're scaring me here with these types of statistics and I'm, I'm quite I'm, pleased not to have picked up Bamiyang based on that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too, I, I own a Bamiyang, I'm, I'm just going to leave him there to be honest. He's, he, he and Hazard both occupy the same sort of mental space and that they can 
bang or they can bust easily. And I'm not going to captain them because Mo Salah serves the captain now. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, definitely worrying. So talking about teams where Aubameyang is captain, let's move on to the Zombie League. Uh, this is where we check on the process of our shambling zombies who are run, of course, by unspecified family members living out our addresses as per FPL rules. Um, <laughs> this are no chips, no transfers, no changes league. Uh, quick shout out to Jonathan Gill in third who tweeted us um, who got a massive 11 pointer from the philosopher Socrates um, <laughs> after, that, after a goal um, and he had a few kind of people who were saying wow that's a goat territory bringing in that guy and he was saying no no this is actually my zombie team um, how did your zombies get on this week Nick? So yeah my zombies did alright in terms of their actual score they, they scored 54 points which is one of their better returns of the season <laughs> but it's also actually worth highlighting that two of my players contributed 49 of those 54 points <laughs> So I got Salakois 30 points and Yotta got a 19 points, but the rest of the team managed five between them. I mean, there's some absolute howlers in my zombie team, you know, that aren't really worth mentioning. The, the likes of uh, Eric Bailly and uh, Departure, perhaps the worst of the bunch. And yeah, a lot of players injured and not playing. So 54 points for them. But yeah, uh, Yotta and Salah basically saved the team. Yeah, nice. I mean, I had a Captain Blank and Aubameyang, but I got 63 points this week with my zombies, uh, which is, uh, again, sadly, outscoring my main team. Uh, Yotta, Ericsson, and uh, the forgotten man, Pascal Gross, um, who returned 10 points against Manchester United. Uh, Firmino, Firmino up top, and Ben Mee and Edison at the back uh, contributing the points there. Um, so, yeah, not not too bad, actually. I'm, I'm hoping that now Ericsson and uh, and De Bruyne are back that finally I can get where I wanted when I started to, when I put the team together in the first place but yeah it's, it's not really worked out especially not having salary over Christmas um, but you know our top ranked the top just outside top 100k um, <laughs> it makes me think why do I bother I suppose <laughs> no, it's, it's right because I mean I'm not in this zombie league but uh, as I said Mike from our show doesn't uh, pretty much play uh, FPL so he, he sets his team at the start of the season I think Robbie Brady is his captain uh, <laughs> from last year <laughs> <laughs> it's one of these things where I think that that stat there about the guy being just like I said in top 100k is yeah it's it's demoralizing you know yeah. I think we're all used to that tweet at the end of the season you know where somebody actually goes through it and says you know you could have had this team from the start yeah exactly you get all the way to the top <laughs> last year wasn't it if you just left it on salary all year and had all sorts of different players in you'd have been absolutely fine um right the final thing this week is the all England team um team of fully English players celebrating the Free Lions achievement at the World Cup way back when. Um, 52 points this week. Captain Rashford uh, bringing it home. Uh, Deli Ali scored and, and went off with a hammy. Uh, Sterling as well getting points. At the back, it was a bit of a... a, bit of a I was going to say shit show. <laughs> a bit of an interesting show. Uh, Trippier, two points. Peck for two points. And uh, Luke Shaw and Wan-Bissaka both contributing absolutely nothing. Um, they're, doing, they're doing all right. They're just outside the top million. Um, but yeah, a decision to make really on Ali next. Right, let's take a break there, guys, and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, so we're back, and it's... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Should I do that again? Yeah, go on. Really, really aggressive. I always say we're, we're back, like, really aggressively. I don't know if you ever noticed. Go on, so, so we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And uh, yes, it's a new entry actually at the top. It's um, a new entry to the league as well. The league is still open. If you haven't joined already, the league code is 516-441. And uh, yeah, so we've got number nine in the world uh, who's joined, James Wells. And uh, he's joined with a 90-point haul as well, which is, you know, pretty damn fantastic. Yeah, Kiko Firmino in defence with nine points. He's got your man Edison as well in goal, Tom. Getting him a clean sheet. Um, now Manchester City are starting to get clean sheets again, apparently. Um, and Bennett um, in defence with a six-pointer. Pogba, Sane, Rashford. Um, sadly, he's also got Troy Deeney as well, randomly, in there for a two-pointer. But yeah, brilliant, um, brilliant haul for James there. Um, you know, the usual suspects of down below, I guess, um, Salve Barra at the Mendigos. In second, he's got 64. Uh, Chris McCartney expected to lose. Um, to lose. 71 points. Um, Al FC, Alex Suarez also on 71 points. Um, got 1546. And then in fifth, it's Gotuk, Eric 
Burrell with the Utrechters got 84 points and 1,543 points overall and overall rank 145. So some really um, high ranking guys in the, in the mini league. So well, well done to all those at the top. Yeah, very well done. Right, let's move on to the questions then. Um, so the first kind of bit is on mid-price mids, and we've spoken about this a little bit, um, but there's quite a lot of questions in the community, so good to uh, kind of address it directly. Craft uh, FPL says he's got Felipe Anderson, gone off the boil, do we sell him or wait? Uh, so then Batia and Tim Fannin asked what to do with uh, Richarlison and similar vein. And Nick FPL asked about Yota here. Are you chasing points if you were buying him in, especially from these players? Um, so, I mean, uh, Ryan, what, what do you think about this one? Uh, do you have Felipe or Richarlison or a sort of player who's gone off the boil and, and what are you thinking about doing with, with them with i mean with yara it's definitely it's um there's just there's no need for it yet um yeah i mean i think it's knee-jerk i do think it's knee-jerk for him to say he had a cracking game yesterday but at the same time there's still yeah i i, I wouldn't be i'm not rushing out to buy a wolves midfielder at the minute particularly when doherty's in the team um, or in the squad, and that threw me yesterday. But I think when you look at players like Doherty being in the team and with Jimenez being in and out of the team at different parts this season, the prospect of having three Wolves players in my FPL squad doesn't doesn't fill me with much, you know, anticipation for the for the week ahead. Um, so I'd be quite happy to avoid him and uh, go without. Yeah, no. fly probably wouldn't agree with that one, but you know. no, definitely not. Well, I mean, I, I agree with that as well to some extent. I mean, they do have the fixtures. They don't play a top six team until game week thirty. I mean, for a lot of people, they will have uh, Jimenez in their team. They will have Doherty in their team. They'll be thinking, well, do I want Trey? But you know, Jota really has gone from zero to hero, hasn't he? Over the last few weeks, like to the eye, he definitely looks confident uh, when he was taking his chances, didn't he? Um, against Leicester, it's just that you know, it's, it's based on nothing really. Um, hasn't hasn't played a, a full ninety minutes uh, since back in the game week 16 so you've got to be wondering about uh, about that and I think it will be one that I kind of wait and watch on um with Richarlison and Philippe Anderson they're both players who are really annoying frankly like they they both seem to have gone off the boil at a very similar time Richarlison still has the good fixtures but I mean he's had good fixtures for a while and produced absolutely nothing Philippe Anderson um you know Wolves and Liverpool next to then they've got Crystal Palace and Fulham um, 26-27 and they've got a nice triple of Newcastle, Cardiff and Huddersfield 29-31 so he could be one that you could keep around and hope that uh, West Ham rediscover their mojo but it really does come back to what happens in game week 25 so Nick mentioned earlier on for example and we're going to do a, a full-on kind of chips and double game weeks and blanks pod in game week 27 when the Ben Credlin comes on but there may be a double game week in game week 25 and that might mean that whatever happens you, you just kind of want to roll this week and have two FT to play with I think that might be the deciding factor if I was going to get rid of one of them it may well be Philippe Anderson just because he um, costs a bit more I've got a bit of profit on him and I, I kind of wouldn't miss him if I got rid of him I'd be happy to kind of cash that in um, but I'm not really convinced by any of the uh, any of the people who come in apart from one man uh, who's uh, Pascal Gross um, I absolutely love Pascal Gross and last season we pegged him as being one of the key uh, talisman uh, in FPL generally I think he scored 45% of Brighton's attacking returns and the next three he's got Fulham away Watford at home and Burnley at home he has started the last eight games in a row uh, but Brighton perhaps don't score enough to make that worthwhile but one to think about at least 6.7 he could be one that I might bring in if I'm just thinking screw it I'm just gonna have some fun uh, and do what I want I'm not sure yet though I think it may be a pragmatic pragmatism wins out um, especially if that game week 25 double game week comes to pass what do you think about these guys Nick? Yeah, yeah, I think with Richardson and Felipe Anderson, I mean, I've been having a quick look at sort of the players around that price point that are worth considering. And it's, it's really few options. It's not too many that I would kind of, you know, shout out about and say they're must-owns or you should bring them in. You know, like um, in terms of the underlying stats even as well for the last six game weeks for players under 7.5 million, you know, Richardson's second for goal attempts, Felipe Anderson's fourth. So they're right there at the top of the, the underlying stats. Um, but most of the um, sort of the attacking um you know, the attacking stats. Uh, the man actually top with the goal attempts is uh, William, who I mentioned on the other pod, um, as a, a pretty decent differential. And um, he went and scored as well that week. But um, yeah, he's had 15 goal attempts in, in the last six matching with Charleston. So you could perhaps consider him as an option. But yeah, like Tom said, with the blanks and the doubles and a bit of uncertainty in terms of what's actually happening with the fixtures, perhaps it is... Um, Time to sort of show a little bit of patience, I guess, with Richardson, maybe with Felipe Anderson as well. Um, you know, there's there's not too many options out there. You know, you could you could 
you know, pay lip service to the likes of Pereira. You could even mention um, Ryan Babel at 5.5 million, who had, who had a really quite exciting debut to watch uh, for Fulham. Some of these players are you're entering differential territory again. These aren't players that are hauling week in, week out. There's no one saying pick me, pick me in in, in as a replacement of um Richardson or Felipe Anderson. And yeah, you you made a really good point there, Ryan, about Yotta as well. That um, you know, it's all well and good. Um that he got his hat trick now and we can all say, Oh yeah, we picked him at the beginning of the season. But yeah, he's he's done nothing for the entire season and it's his underlying stats aren't particularly brilliant. And I think uh, tripling up on Wolves as well, perhaps, would be a bit impressive. Right. And next question, uh, Palace defender. So Mike Malarkey doesn't own uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka and is asking about PVA, Patrick Van Anholt. Uh, quite an interesting one. Uh, Palace uh, about to embark on a fairly good run, actually. The next four, for example, it's Southampton, Fulham, West Ham and Leicester. And then you play two teams of the top uh, top six uh, until game week 33. Um so I guess this is quite an interesting one if you don't own Wan-Bissaka late. And I guess a few people are in that boat. Would you be looking at PVA as, a, as a someone to bring in? I, I, I don't know. Like he always ends the season pretty well. He always does bits, as he would like to say, at the end of the season. And he is second at the moment for attempts overall amongst defenders. And he's actually second as well for shots in the box amongst defenders, so 10 and 5. Um, what would you be advising him? Or would you be saying to Mike, yeah, get AWB in or kind of have a go with PVA? Um, or would you be advising him just to give, give, give it up and do something else altogether? Uh, Ryan first. His performance has gone down directly uh, proportionate to when he started his league and started promoting his, his fantasy league. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm slightly concerned about that. But, I mean, he does have a tendency and he does have the ability, if, you, if you're saying Palace have a decent run, he is the sort of player that could go on, you know, and score maybe two goals and three, and you know that would be his purple patch for the season. And everybody would be hoodwinked back into the same sort of statistic that you know PVA is the you know the best thing, um, the best defender in the game. I mean, look at the stats this year. He's got two assists. He's got one goal. Um, he's got eighty-five points against uh, Wan Bissaka, seventy-seven. So value for money wise, no, I'm, I'm not seeing it. And I think Wan Bissaka is, you know. He's more of a magnet for for the bonus points than you know than a lot of other players in the game. I think my weekly decision always tends to be right to to play one massacre this week or to leave him on the bench. And it, it, it genuinely has turned into sort of you know a weekly conundrum. And with Crystal Palace having a couple of decent games in in a row, then he's probably he will leave. Come into my team here. I'm quite happy to sit on him. We've we've had him since you know since the start of the season at four million, even at four point five million. I still think he's you know providing. What is that? An FPL point every 23, 24 minutes, as opposed to PVA would send around about the same. So I don't think you're getting much more with PVA than you are with Juan Bissaka. And he's an extra, you know, guts of an extra million there. So even if you don't have Juan Bissaka now, if you're in the mindset that you have to have a, you know, a Palace defender, I'm still okay with that. I mean, the only one that comes close to him in terms of points is, is somebody like Sacco, who's. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a goal threat. Um, looking at the other options, I think I think it's a decision between AWB or PBA, and it's Wan Bissaka for me. Yeah, definitely. I think we all owned him. Uh, we, we, me and Nick have owned him. I, I guess you have as well, since he was four point zero. So no danger of him leaving any any time no, soon. Get rid of him. God no, I, I couldn't. But I no. can't understand the conundrum of maybe looking at him now. So if I was a non, because listen, Crystal Palace doesn't scream safe defence all every week. If I was a non Wambasaka owner and I was looking for a cheap defender to try to, you know, spread up the money, then it goes back to Southampton and it goes back to Bednarak, who had what three point nine million and who has played every game since the new manager came in. I think that's the guy, if you're just looking for cheap bench fodder, that's your guy. It's not Wambasaka anymore. Yeah, I mean, the other one that I thought who you mentioned briefly there, Ryan, that was worth a shout out was was Tomkins, mm. actually. Um, it, I mean, he's now 4.3. So if you don't own Wan-Bissaka for some reason or you're wildcarding and mixing things up, um, you know, he, he would be 0.2 cheaper now than AWB. And mm. uh, with, with Palace's fixtures on the up, I think he, he perhaps would be worth considering seeing he's nailed in, in the defence. I mean, PVA is the one that's had the, the biggest goal of threat with, with 32 uh, goal attempts, but then it's Tompkins with 16, and and Tompkins um, managed to score this this game week as well. You know he's matching Duffy actually for goal attempts, and Duffy's got four goals uh, to his name this season. And and then AWB's a little bit further behind with only nine goal attempts, but um, AWB has been a bit of a bonus magnet 
as well this season. I think he, he got bonus really surprisingly um, in a couple of game weeks ago when they lost, and, and no one really made a fuss about it because everyone was secretly, you know, quite happy about about. <laughs> I, I, I honestly checked points. it yesterday after Crystal Palace conceded four against Liverpool. I still checked to see if Juan Bissaka was going to get bonus points or not. So yeah, he's picking them up randomly. He's quite fun to own. Um, I'm probably going to be playing him um, next game week as well. But yeah, I thought it'd be worth just giving Tompkins a quick shout out, considering he's now actually the cheapest um, cheapest way of uh, covering that Crystal Palace defence somehow. Okay, great. And uh, next question then uh, on Sane. Uh, so FPL Select asks if Sane belongs in the top bracket of FPL players. So often we look at, um, as we mentioned earlier, we're led by price and we kind of look at players like Sterling and maybe Nick that may have swayed your decision this week to some extent. And you've got players like Hazard, you've got players like uh, Salah. Um, but does Sane belong there? He's obviously you know between nine and ten. Um, but do his performances mean that we should probably be thinking about him as a premium player rather than as a, a member of the supporting cast? Uh, Nick, what do you reckon to that since uh, it directly affects uh, your decisions this week or last week? Yeah, I think Sane definitely needs to be considered um, a premium asset. I think next season we'll see it when, when he gets another price hike in terms of his value. He, he's performing brilliantly. You know, he, he was brilliant, obviously, today. He was the biggest scorer for Manchester City and... Uh, I would I would consider him a premium asset, and I would also you know consider Pogba and Rashford premium assets, but at a cut price price, which which is brilliant for our FPL teams, even though it does impact the template to a certain extent because it enables the opportunity to have sort of up to six premium players really within your team, and uh, I think Sane does um, deserve to be in that top bracket and. And considered, especially when you can t- compare him to the likes of Hazard, I, I had Sane and I sold him for Hazard. Um, about four game weeks ago and once um, and Hazard decided to start blanking again obviously at that point as well but uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of regretting that decision to a certain extent because he, he's been brilliant it'll be just interesting as well and worth mentioning to see what happens when Ben Mendy um, comes back because Ben Mendy liked to, to have that entire left flank and the whole idea that Sane had to play I think Pep said some stuff in the past that Sane has to play because like, Mendy was injured but when Mendy's back it'll be interesting to see what happens to the team Brian, what do you think about Sane? Sane for me, yeah. I mean, listen, 16% on it. It fills me with a bit of confidence, actually, that you know he does actually have 16% ownership. Um, obviously, the sterling price factor massively affects this. But you know, I look at Sane as somebody who had a disappointing end of the year last year, didn't get picked for the World Cup, and came back this year all guns blazing. You know, if you look at these numbers, you know, he's played okay. He's played 300 minutes less. Than Sterling, but he's I mean, he's right up there. It's eight goals, it's eleven assists versus ten and ten for Sterling. So, I think he's made his own case to be you know be classified within the premium. Um, I think I, I'd be, I think I've made exactly the same switch as what you know Nick was talking about there, where you know it's gone at one stage Sane out to Hazard in because of that fear factor of not having Hazard, and it's came back to bite me in the ass massively. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at that team today. Um, you know, the, the 3-0 win against Huddersfield, and I'm just sort of thinking, so why, why am I holding on to Hazard? You know, what, what was it What was it that, you know, made me sort of think that I could do without Sane in this team? And I think what you find then is, is a ripple effect. So because I have Hazard instead of Sane, I felt that whenever Keane got injured, Aguero had to come in. Whereas had I played this game differently and playing devil's advocate, I would have kept Sane. Kane would have gone out and maybe then I would have looked at a different forward instead of um, Aguero to come in because, again, even going into today's game with um, with Aguero, I'm, I'm still sitting thinking to myself, right, is he going to play today or is, is Pep going to start Jesus? So, Sally, I think, has done enough this season to to you know sort of reach that upper echelon. Um, I think you're right. It'll be really interesting to see what price he's valued at next season. Uh, similar to you perhaps of Eden Hazard I wish that game against Southampton wasn't on the cards in game week 21 because I would have kept hold of Sane uh, I just saw saw that game against Southampton and thought uh, well you know Hazard's going to come back there and I remember kind of uh, just watching that game and nothing happening and just kind of again that sense of dread really you know when, when FPL general starts writing in all caps you know that there's something uh, something going on that's really bad was like, just do something Eden I completely got behind that Listen, like, you know, Sane is just one of those players who, when you watch him, he is electric, and he does kind of give that kind of sense of reassurance whenever you see him. Like, arguably, Hazard in his best moments does do that too. Uh, but in the City team, he does seem to be, at the moment, the key outlet, doesn't he? I mean, interestingly, something I noted this week was that actually Raheem Sterling has created more chances over the last six, and uh, Leroy Sane's had the most shots. 
but the XA for uh, Sane is higher and the XG for Sterling is higher. And it's just the case that at the moment, however, they're setting up, we're kind of seeing that um, Raheem is uh, trying to create more. Um, but Sane is the creative force to some extent, but he does seem to be taking a lot of shots, now, which, is, which is very, very good for owners. Um, it's an interesting one with them because you'd be you know, completely expecting them to get through and the game week twenty uh, game week twenty seven to be a blank for Man City. So you're kind of looking at Newcastle game next, and then Arsenal and Chelsea at home, and thinking, "Oh, do I want to get a City player in for those three? I'm probably not going to, but I can see what people are. And I think the Sane definitely next year is going to be joining play. I think it'll be ten point five, eleven, something like that next year. All right, next question then. Uh, the final question this week is in on Higuain. Uh, so FPL Shakes asks how interested we are in Big Higgy if he joins and what our price uh, prediction will be. Uh, obviously, this may be completely outdated by the time we, uh, by the time this pod actually goes out. Uh, so let's not labour on it too long. Uh, but it might be a nice way of linking into a question from Jan, uh, who asks, what the hell do you do with Hazard? Because we've spoken, to him, we've spoken about him a few times and Nick has called him a massive troll. I guess with Higgy first then, guys, what, what do you think about him and... Uh, by consequence, what we're going to do with hazards? Uh, Ryan, you first. I think I just love Big Higgy as a as a name for him. Um, I think that's probably. I mean, that that's the sort of thing that would put him in my FPL team over his uh, ability um, or weight or lack of or too much of. Um, price wise, I, I mean, we've spoke already a bit on this episode about there not being the premium options up front. I think. I mean, Higuain comes with a hell of a backstory, a hell of a name, and a hell of a goal record. So for me, it would have to be priced, I would say 10 plus. I think I think it has to be sort of, you know, 10, 10.5 feels right. I would love it. You know, this is the whole Kevin Keegan moment. I would love it if he came in at 9.5. Um, but I think that it's 10, 10.5 for me. Obviously, it gives us another option in that, um, you know, that forward slot. Uh, uh, as much as it's sort of exciting to have a, a shiny new asset in the FPL team, though, um, I think it would be a case that I'd, I'd have to give him at least a few game weeks to see how he gets on. I wouldn't rush to get him in straight away, certainly, and uh, you'll be spending quite a sizable chunk of your budget on a quite a high-risk asset whose whose minutes are going to be managed um, as he joins. And yeah, like like you said, Ryan, he's probably going to be very expensive as well. So you know, it's, it's going to be a tough one. But I think um, you know um, he's actually not even performed that particularly well um, so far this season. Um, and seems to be sort of you know dropping in pace. Uh, he's, he's got fitness issues, as you mentioned, um, and uh, I think we'll do a prospect and prospects on him when he does join, if he does join. But uh, for me, I don't think I'll be rushing certainly to to get him in as soon as he joins, because you know knowing Sarri, he probably just end up sitting on the bench with Jerome after. Where do you think he comes in price wise, Nick? Uh, probably ten. I think yeah. te- I think it's ten point five because I I agree with Nick that it would be ten. But whenever I have a price uh, prediction, I always stick zero point five on it because that's <laughs> it. FPL always seems to do that. I feel that kind of makes sense, guys. I mean, uh, people are going to point at, uh, for example, the twenty fifteen sixteen season of Napoli, where he's thirty six goals in thirty five games, and I don't think that he would be sitting on the bench, Nick. I think he would be playing because he is uh, one one of those players that Sarri uh, that knows Sarri ball and would be part of that system. And he has he has done fairly well like, over the last few years like at Milan this season I think he's got six goals in 15, uh, 15 games something like that uh, but for Juve you know, 20, I think it's 24 goals and l- last year on Juventus first team I saw him being uh, interviewed a lot uh, 16 goals in 32 games so you know, there is a pedigree there as Ryan inferred earlier it's just whether he's going to be able to adapt um, to a new league as quickly as we'd like and I probably would exercise caution as Nick would say um, about that just because you know Coming from Italy to uh, to the Premier League and the physicality thereof, um, and a less tactical, more physical game is probably going to be something that is going to be a bit of a shock to him. And the teams, I think, I mean, I mentioned earlier on that Chelsea haven't scored more than two goals since game week eleven. I think a lot of teams have worked out Sarri ball a little bit now. It seems to just be as I think Tottenham started it, sit on Jorginho, and. Sarri ball falls apart. You've got Kante mm. trying to be box to box man. It is missing a few parts, and maybe Higuain would be the the man who may spark them into life. But it's one of those that I'm happy to watch and wait on. And with Hazard, 
because he's got Bournemouth and uh, and Huddersfield next, that's the only reason he's still in my team. He is one of those players that he needs to just kind of keep. I think next year, I'm, if Hazard is still in the Premier League, which I doubt, um, I think I'm just not going to own Hazard any time. <laughs> just because he, he is so inconsistent, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think we've got that with Chelsea. I mean, Higuain, he's only, he's only actually scored one goal in his last 10 fixtures. So he's, he is struggling for form and maybe he's for, you know, not performing to his full potential. And when he's reunited with Sarri, it might be all great again for him. But I think definitely, definitely one for me personally to, to watch him wait and, and not rush in to sign uh, as soon as he joins. Cool. All right, let's move on to the transfers and captains then, guys, as we move to the, towards the end of this pod. Ryan, what are you thinking this week in terms of moves and who you, who's your captain going to be? Yeah, no, listen, for me, looking at game week 24, Liverpool versus Leicester, it's it's still Salah. It has to stay as Salah for the for the coming weeks. Um, I, I can't see anything too far removed. I liked what you said about the you know the potential for the double game week in 25. So there's you know there's a strong possibility I make any change um, in 24 and just hold out. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. And for me, I'm, I'm exactly the same. So I'll probably be holding out until we've got more news there. If not Richarlison or Philippe Anderson, are both on the chopping block. But I, I just don't know if that's worth the free transfer. I, I, I'm just not sure about Jota, for example. I'm not too sure about bringing in Pascal Gross as much as I love him. So I, I just don't think that's going to happen. It might just be the case that I hold tight, especially I'll taking in mind the state. It's like the unwritten rule, isn't there? Uh, that you've got to hold tight after taking such a big hit. And that, yeah, the captain will be Mo Salah. And it will be probably Mo Salah for the rest the season. Uh, Nick, what are you doing? So I'm going to complete the boring set and say that I'm also captaining Salah and probably not going to be doing a transfer. Maybe I'm going to roll, but there aren't any sort of gaping holes in my team right now that need addressing. So probably going to be sticking with the uh, the current cast I have in my team. So yeah, very boring. Um, so the, yeah, there's a theme every week. Um, last week it was the cure. Um, Jerry K got that theme. So well done, Jerry, uh, for getting that. Um, just to say, of course, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. If you want to join our league, the league code is 516-441. And we were joined today by Ryan at Fantasy Yamar. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure. More than welcome. Really enjoyed it, guys. You can find us on Twitter at Fantasy Yama. Um, if you want to check out the podcast, it's at Bang Average Pod. Um, and you can find us every week on 442. Excellent. Cheers, Ryan, for coming on. Uh, so this is actually my last pod until mid-February. I'm off to Florida on the first weekend of February for two weeks. And I'm going to take the opportunity for an FPL detox as well. So I'm going to be deleting Twitter, uh, much to my girlfriend's uh, happiness. And uh, so it's a mix in charge. It's going to anchor the next pod um, after Gaming 25. So I'm not going to do anything in 24 as it's midweek and it's very busy at work. And it will have a guest host on then. I'm not too sure who it will be yet. Uh, post game week 26 will come when I'm back from the USA um, so we won't speak to you for a little bit uh, but we hope this assisted you and uh, speak to you in February bye bye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>